This is a special social distancing episode of the Extra Bases podcast. Jason Bristol, Jeremy Booth is here. Jeremy, nice job decorating. <laughs> it's, you know, it's been pretty, uh, pretty, uh, you know, hard to get things up here in Boston that remind me of home. Yeah. Uh, you know, as, as well as, well, this has been a, a new relocation for us, but uh, I'm, I'm a fan of the decor. Pretty plain, pretty white, pretty good. We're going to yeah, go. It works. Um, so right now, Major League Baseball is talking about putting all 30 teams in the Phoenix area and playing in empty ballparks. It's among the ideas discussed Monday by Major League Baseball and the Players Association. When I think of this, I think of the families of the players and being away from them for such an extended period of time. What is the likelihood that this gonna, is going to happen? Uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see him start there. It wouldn't surprise me to see them uh, begin with an abbreviated spring training all in Arizona. I mean, Arizona's a better spot today than Florida looks like it might be in the next 30 days, right? Um, so that wouldn't surprise me. It would surprise me to really see them play all the games in one spot like that. It's just, But you know what? I mean, I say that. It's such a fluid situation. Nothing like this has ever happened before. Uh, you get to that type of environment, you start counting spring training complexes, right? A lot of people share complexes out in Arizona. You have, you know, for example, the uh, the Indians and Reds share a place, right? The White Sox and, and Diamondbacks share a place, or the Rockies and Diamondbacks, excuse me. So, um, you know, you get to a, a spot like that where you're trying to figure out where they're going to play, who's going to play what. You're talking about, you know, hotels, each team being sequestered in a hotel. You're talking about no fans. You're talking about umpires having to come in and out. You're talking about um, not all the games can be played in any one spot because that doesn't up the schedule, right? And I was talking about some significant heat in June that a lot of these players are not necessarily used to playing in. Um, you know, like in Houston, for example, there's a dome, right? In Seattle, it never gets that hot. So you're looking at a situation that's going to be a different environment for everybody, and, and it's, it's not going to be ideal, but it certainly is possible that they start there. Major League Baseball has said that while we continue to interact regularly with government and public officials, we have not sought or received approval of any plan. And basically, they haven't settled on that option of playing in Arizona or developing um, sure. a detailed plans. So I think they're a long ways away. And I think it's possible we may not see any baseball until July. You know, July is a target month, I think, for a lot of people. Um, certainly for something like that. Uh, I feel like... And look, again, rapidly evolving daily situation that the world, certainly in any of our lifetimes, hasn't seen. You hope you're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel with some of the, like New York, for example, having some decrease and, and some, some people having some different uh, uh, experiences now with, with the cases going the other way. And, 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 and you know, God bless all the, the, the people that have passed, but the deaths going the other way. It's, it's not a pretty one, but if they're starting to turn, um, we're April 7th, I believe is today, right? April 7th, it's Groundhog Day, Jason. So it could be, you know, May 16th, I don't know. But April 7th, uh, it's got to be plausible that by July, they'd be back on the field at, at a drop dead time. You know, uh, June is optimistic, but July would seem to make sense and they could go to their own places to play. Will there be a drop dead date of, okay, this is it. And after this date, I'm sorry, we will not be able to have a season. Have you heard any discussion or talk about that? Or are they pretty adamant that they want to get some baseball in? 
it's, it's really not feasible for anybody to not have a baseball season. The owners, the uh, staff for the for the clubs that work, whether it's the scouts or whether it's the, the people that run the concession stands, like you got to have a season. There's too many jobs and too much employment that runs with that. Um, again, provided health is okay to have. Uh, so I don't think there's a drop dead date at all. I do think that July, by any reasonable model, anyone we've ever seen, July seems to be okay. Whether or not the fans can be back in the stands, uh, we don't know yet. And a lot of that does depend on the country and how much they adhere to the social distancing and how much they adhere to the stay-at-home orders. And, um, you know, look, I, I get it, right? Jay, I get it. I and mean, we just talked about it. I and mean, we're all spending time with family and we're all, you know, kind of still indoors a lot and we're all going a little bit a little bit stir crazy. I am going, I have cabin fever. I am ready to get outside. And thankfully I'm in a, I'm in a spot where I can get outside and there's not a lot of people around me and I can do what I need to do. But as a country, if we're congregating in masses right now, it's not going to help. So uh, it really just depends on how bad we want to see baseball or any sports back as far as what we do when they do come back. Up until today, I think you were practicing social distancing with your razor. <laughs> it had been a couple of weeks, I think, since I had shaved either my head or my face, and I couldn't take it anymore. I didn't recognize you. I was like, who, who is this man, and where's Jeremy Booth? What have you done with him? <laughs> I couldn't take it anymore. I had to get it off. It feels much better, much cleaner, much more like myself. But, I mean, maybe that's a sign that we're turning the other way, too. Yeah. You know, I actually kind of like the idea of a shorter season maybe 75 games. I think that that would actually be pretty cool in the sense that I think any, any team other than maybe the Marlins and a couple of others, I think any team could really be in the mix. I mean, a shorter game season, you have such a, a smaller margin for error. So I'm thinking, listen, it could potentially be like one of the most exciting seasons ever because you could have so much packed into one small time frame that it could leave the door open for a lot of different scenarios when it comes to other teams challenging for playoff spots. You know, it's like an independent baseball season. No yeah. how you, you know, it's not going to be 162. Maybe it's 140 as of right now, more closer to maybe 120, right? It's kind of what I think you're looking at. If, like, if you play June, July, August, September, that's four months. Okay. It's 120 games. If you can get half of October and next pay some double headers, 140 games, right? And if you look at the strike season in, in 95, Jason, I mean, you know, you would remember better than I do as far as how many games they played, but... 94. 94, I think that's the model. The model is how do we, what do we, oh, it's all right, they came back in 95, yes. right? What do we play in 95? What's the model we did there? How do we apply that today? The players usually are against playing doubleheaders or not. They're going to have expanded rosters now. I think it's 29 players, right? That's something that's going to help them. Um, and they're, they're willing to play in October, which means you might see baseball go into what? Late November? Now? 95, 95 was 144 games, and it began on April 25th. So that was 144 games, and that was the, uh, the strike-shortened season that came back after the strike. So that, that's a great point. I hadn't even thought of that. Yes, you can use an extension in October, say a couple of weeks, you play 10 doubleheaders and all of a sudden now you made up 25 games. So you're at 144 games, right? I mean, again, not a perfect scenario, but something they could do. Immediately start the playoffs. 
you know, kick into gear in, in November and play the playoffs in as far as members they can. And something that's definitely been thrown around is putting people in a neutral climate for the World Series. Because, you know, if it's the Nationals, for example, we were there, right? That would be cold. If it was uh, New York, we were there. That would be cold. So It will likely be New York, I think. But anything could happen now. <laughs> so just to go through that environment, it would be cold, right? So you need to move to somewhere like Miami or in Arizona or even in Houston that is moderate, has a dome, it's comfortable. So... Uh, there's a lot of scenarios, and I think that's the likely one in play right now. That would make sense, um, and that's the one I think we all hope for. It's interesting now that um, we've had some time to digest the Astros and what's left and what has left. It's funny how I'm seeing a lot more analysis of past drafts and some of the failings and some of the the mild successes. And it just, it's very funny to me that now we're taking a little bit more of a critical look when I know that there's been some people out there. And again, I'm not trying to pat anyone on the back, but why do you think now that people are starting to really take a much more critical look at these past drafts and, and basically how there's little to show for it which is what you've said all along. Well, you know, and we haven't talked about that question. We haven't, not even on our text messages, not emails, on our phone calls. We haven't talked about that particular question. Um, And it's a fair question. It is something that's come back up. Uh, Other, uh, some writers have written things about it, right? Some local writers and some more national writers have started to write about the, the, the emptiness of the Astro system and what happens after 2020. Um, You and I went back going a couple years ago, right? We went back and there was a panic button. And I'll never forget this segment as long as I live. There was a panic button. And I said, I'm, not, I'm pushing the panic button, not just for now, but for what's coming up in the future. Um, we have talked for a couple of years about the decisions they had to make. And look, unfortunately for the franchise and the city, those decisions are here now, right? Um, I think sometimes in sports, and, and I hope that we're starting to remember this now, is now we have no sports, okay? That when you play for a city or work for a city or work for a team, you are working for that city. That city is invested. Long after you're gone, that city is going to be there. Jeff Luno was no longer the general manager of the Houston Astros. And guess what? The Astros remain and so does the city of Houston, right? And the fans that go with that club remain there as well. And I think we lose sight of that sometimes. We lose sight of that from uh, from every possible perspective, whether you're a player whether you're an evaluator, whether you're a coach, you lose sight of it because you get caught up in uh, you get caught up in the day to day of what you're trying to do, and you forget there's a whole group of people that you're actually working for. And it's working for an owner, you're working for a city, and you get into professional sports. That's what it means. Um, I was taught that in early age, and so for me, when I see people disrespect that group of people, that city, that franchise, the forces of what you can do, disrespect people that came before you, I take it personal. I really do take it personal. Um, I say that because I think now that we have the trash can issues, that we have the, the um, uh, I mean, it tells you how distant we are from, I forget, Codebreaker. We have Codebreaker, right? That we have Jeff Luno and company, and company, because it wasn't him by himself, that had been disgraced a little bit with what has gone on. I think you're taking a deeper look now. You have a shorter season. There's time. We're not playing baseball right now. So now let's really take a look, right? What happens after 2020? Um, things that you and I talked about a couple of years ago will happen. These players are going to move on. Some players will remain. 
Some players are, are in the right players to stay. A Jordan Alvarez, a Jose Altuve, a Alex Bregman, a somebody like that who either A, isn't the right time to get rid of, B, it's, it's uh, somebody who doesn't want to go anywhere, or C, somebody you want to carry the face of your franchise is, is going to stay. But within that, you got a lot more decisions to make, and there's nothing behind it in the system to replace. When you are drafting amateur players, you have an obligation to the city an obligation to the organization, obligation to the owner and the players currently in the organization to put the best players on the field back in your organization to refill it. You need to keep the window open, okay? So a lot of different ways to do that. And the best way is incorporate all sorts of information, whether that's subjective scouting, whether that's analytical data, whether that's statistical insights, whether that's raw, raw um, tool grades, both, both subjective and quantifiable. And the Astros were, were, were very, very, very neglectful when it came to anything that didn't fit their model. And what you're seeing is they don't have any players. They don't have any players. Um, Forrest Whitley, for all his, all his arm strength and as electric as he could be, there's some major questions about him that if you were paying attention to the draft, were there then too. They were there then too. It's why he got to 17, because for a while, he's what, one of the best prospects in baseball? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't matter. Prospects are suspects so he gets to the big leagues. Um, you have a guy like Kyle Tucker, who is a 70 athlete on a scale of 220 to 80, which is a top skill athlete. He's gotten to the big leagues just because he's that good of an athlete. He's got to be a good big leaguer, it doesn't matter. You got to be a good big leaguer, it doesn't matter, right? So I, I look beyond that. I look to their outfield, and I looked at, at Springer, and I look at, at, uh, at uh, Brantley, and I look at Reddick. Who's playing the outfield next year after 2020? Straw and Tucker? What do you got? You don't really have a whole lot's proven there that's really going to carry your club. Jordan Alvarez goes out there. Okay, maybe if his knees are healthy, right? That's exactly correct. So um, that is kind of what the problem is they're going to have, whether it's catching, whether it's, whether it's uh, you know, the infield seems to be okay. The infield should be fine, right? Whether it's catching, whether it's arms, and it's going to be a long road back. It's going to be a long road back, and, and, and the, the people are starting to pick up on that because now there's nothing else to talk about. That's what they're looking at. In the essence of time, because we're running a little short here, you are scheduled to have a number of uh, combines for New Balance Future Star Series. And what has this past month been like for you as you try to bring prospects from all over the country, all over the world into different places? And now all your plans have just gone up in smoke, I would imagine. Well, luckily for us, Jason, we were in a holding pattern where if we had the World Combine, which is the first one you were referring to, um, had players from Colombia, Mexico, the Dominican, Venezuela, uh, Canada, Puerto Rico, Bahamas. I feel like I'm missing somebody. I'm trying. I don't, I don't want to. I feel like I'm missing somebody. All those type of countries were going to converge on one spot in Florida. And, of course, this hit, literally hit five days before that event was supposed to kick off. That's when it hit. Um, we were able to, to you know, postpone. And we're postponing everybody else. Uh, with us, once we get running, we're going to be full bore. We're thinking that we hit the ground similar to Major League Baseball in some capacity last week of May, first week of June. And we're kind of being regional and, and socially distant still, if you will. But we're still able to play the games or practice and do the stuff we do for our testing. Um, we have pre-draft combines we've announced now, which are, you know, uh, first time ever. A group's going to hold amateur uh, pre-draft combines for those college and high school players, area of opportunity to help the kids, right? So that's what we're able to do. But once we get going in June, and we do think it'll be June, whether it's June 1 or June 15, 
Um, we'll be full bore with every event we have until after Fenway Park. And then we'll have about a couple weeks back and then we'll run again and do stuff in the fall. So for us, it's been more just of a, a flipping schedule. It hasn't been something that's going to um, delay the players or delay the events that we're, we were planning to do or, or derail them rather, or just puts them off a little bit and has to condense them into a shorter time period. So uh, we're using the time to, to just get ready. I'm using the time to, to condition myself physically as well as mentally for the grind and, and get running. And, and uh, I am excited to get back to Texas uh, to get back to the command center, if you will, because I will be coming back this month one way or the other. Nice. All right. Well, we're running out of time. So let's wrap up this episode of Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth. I think we can now do this each week. You want to do it each week? Yeah, we can do it Good. each week. That's where we are. It's easy. Now that we've got this technology, and guess what, everybody? Guess who set up this technology? <laughs> this guy right here, huh? I don't care anybody who says he can't do anything. Just, you know, some ball player. Okay. He can do it. Bitter X scout. Bitter X scout. I don't <laughs> care if people say he's a bitter X scout. One of my favorite ones. I do like that one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put in um, the panic button. I'm going to find that. I'm going to insert it into this video. All right, so Uh-oh. We, got some, we got some problems. We have a center fielder. That's hurt. We have the need for a right-handed bat in the lineup. We have your best reliever that gets hurt every year and starting rotation that's now on the DL and coming back in September. We've had catching issues. We've had chemistry issues. We've had offensive issues. I'm absolutely Whoa, pushing the panic button. I'm not just pushing it for right now. Look what you've done. Look what you've done. I'm not just pushing it for right now. We have some. We have a long-term, some, some issues that are coming up here. The Astros need to figure out right now. And, and to, for me, the, the acquisition of Osuna demonstrates the panic, the need for panic in the bullpen. So for me, I think it's time to get concerned, not about making the postseason, about winning another World Series and the window in general. Oh, wow. That is um... – All right, that was good. It was a good one. It was a good segment. Thanks, Jeremy. Hi, man. See you, you next see time. It.